Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Today we welcome a special guest, Father Caesar. In this Sunday, in this Sunday's liturgy, continues the reading of the so-called Sermon of the Mount of Jesus which comprises chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew's Gospel. After the Beatitudes, which are his program of life, our Lord goes on to define his position with respect to the law, to the old law. The Israelites believe that they were saved by observing the law of Moses. But Jesus, after having affirmed his deep respect for the Mosaic law, declares that it is not enough to observe it as the scribes and Pharisees did, who considers holiness only in the meticulous observance of the traditions and practices born of their own thinking, born of their own thinking. Thus, neglecting the most serious and sacred precepts of the divine law. So one thing leads to another. Unthinking leads to transgress the law of God. This conduct, which departed from the kingdom of God, concealed covetousness and false seal, altered the truth and prescriptions of the law, established a religion of appearances, and was content with a purely superficial purity. Everything is superficial. They were not concerned with entire purity of the soul. They were concerned only with the external and material, external and material observance of the law. Here is the problem. And in this they base all their religion, in this materiality and perfection. Now, the preaching of the new kingdom by Jesus, his repeated allusions to the new state of things, because he was everything, he was making new everything, and the fact that he was not a disciple of this Christ and Pharisees, may have given rise to the presumption on the part of his hearers that the Mosaic law was to be totally abrogated by him. But Jesus begins by dispelling this prejudice by saying, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. His function towards the law is to observe it personally because he submitted to it during his life. He was subject to the law. And to 
perfect and complement as a divine lawgiver. He will perfect the elementary precepts of the ancient morality. He will go to cut the very root of sins. So they, he will go to cut the very root of sins and he will merit and give us abundant supernatural grace to fulfill the moral precepts. I have come not to abolish but to fulfill, he says. In fact, you should simplify the law. Why? Because he got rid of the human interpretations that make unbearable. Human interpretation make the life unbearable. And added it that was necessary for it to reach its full development. The same ceremonial laws, the same ceremonial laws of the Old Testament were abrogated. And those were substituted by the reality they contain, the marvelous worship of our church. Instituting the hierarchy with faculties to legislate it in the new kingdom. Therefore, our Lord does not come to abolish the law. Note that the simple affirmation that he does not come to abolish the law, to that affirmation he adds the solemn assertion that the whole law, the whole law, as if by an intrinsic requirement, as long as this world is a world, must be fulfilled in its smallest details. We must fulfill the law. And because the significance of the law is the expression of the immutable will of God, he who by his conduct abrogates or breaks any of the least precepts, and likewise he who by his doctrine teaches others to do the same, he will have the last place in the messianic kingdom. On the contrary, whoever observes them diligently and teaches others the same will be great. We have a great reward. But as Jesus' listeners could interpret that the scribes and Pharisees, interprets, interpreters and meticulous and keepers of the law, yeah, yeah they were they were just say, in the exterior. So, but as Jesus, he knew, as Jesus' listeners could interpret that the scribes and the Pharisees, interpreters and meticulous and keepers of the law in its literal sense, were on the right path to attain the kingdom of heaven, he says that their justice is not enough. Because they inform it with vanity and pride. So the exterior is okay, they were just, but what counts is what is coming from within. It is the justice that they have made for themselves because their own inventions, not 
that of the law. The holiness of the followers of Christ must go further. And this is pointed out by our Lord with the six examples that he is going to give, making an exegesis of some of the texts of the Mosaic law and elevating them to a greater perfection then. Let us see then some of the examples too of how, how our Lord has perfected the elementary precepts of the Mosaic law and how the holiness of the follower of Christ must go beyond of that of the scribes and Pharisees in order to attain the kingdom of heaven. The ancient law forbade murder, for instance. You shall not kill. Exodus 20, 13. You shall not kill. Okay. Whoever killed another was obligated to stand trial before the local court. And whoever kills will be liable to judgment, says. Exodus 21, 12. Numbers 35. Various texts of the Old Testament talks about this. Our blessed Lord legislates not only in order to the external act, but also on the very faculties of the soul. You see? Not even anger, not even anger against one's brother is lawful because it leads to murder. Anger leads to murder. But I say to you, whoever is angry, so he goes to the deep, to the root of the external act. Whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment and will have to give an account to God. And what are the practical consequences of this? We must live in peace with our brothers then. Our Lord says, Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court, otherwise your opponent will hand you over to the judge. That is to say, he who has reviled or offended his brother must reconcile with him during the journey of life. If he does not do so, the reviler will have no choice but to come to the judgments of God who will pass sentence that will be inedible executed. So he, he goes to the deep of the problem not only to the mere external appearances. The example two is the sixth commandment. Already in the ninth commandment, it was forbidding to desire, to desire another's wife. Although the materiality, again, the material interpretation of the Pharisees referred to only adultery or to the external sin, the seriousness of the sin against the sixth and ninth commandment. But Jesus extirpates the root, not only of adultery, but of simple fornication, condemning to look of a woman, virgin, married, or widow, to covet her, that is, with deliberation. Here is a problem. With intention or consent of the light, so he goes to the root. Then he gives us the practical 
listen. So serious is this that at our cause is necessary to remove not only what is pleasant, but what is necessary if it is a near danger of sinning in this matter. Regarding to the sixth and ninth commandment. And for this, our Lord uses the metaphor of the eye and the hand. Because if to save the life of the body, man, can, man makes the sacrifice of the amputation of a limb in order to save the whole, much more must he do to save the life of his soul. Freeing it from sin and eternal death. For this, we must remove everything that induces us to sin, no matter how painful the sacrifice may be. But it might be objected by saying that we cannot cut out the sense or appetite of the flesh. That's correct. But our Lord does not command us to do that. But to restrain the desire of the flesh so that we are not induced to do what the flesh desires. And it is true, we cannot cut, off, cut it off so that it does not desire because we desire, it's, it will be, it will be insane to say, "I don't want to desire." But we must subdue the in order desire. So, but to restrain the desires of the flesh, so that we are not induced to do that the flesh desire. Yeah. Hence, the important the importance of mortification or penance which I have mentioned in past homilies. Let us ask the Holy Spirit to kindle in our hearts the fire of his love so that we may form in our souls the image of Christ. Let us repeat as the psalmist says, open my eyes and I will consider the wondrous things of your law, Lord, because I know that your law is good for my soul. And we ask this grace through the intercession of our blessed Lord.